0: Welcome back to Got Tech The Podcast. This is episode 66 called Clever Ways to Engage Students Using Meet or Zoom During Remote and Hybrid Learning. In this episode, we'll take a deep dive into the world of virtual classrooms as we analyze the awesome features that they have available to you. Then we'll share some of our own creative ideas for engaging virtual lessons. These will keep your students focused and attentive. This is one episode you don't want to miss. Check it out.
1: All right. So we've gone over many Google tools that we could use during remote learning. If you're enjoying these series uh, that we're doing, these episodes that we're doing, make sure that you're doing us a favor and following us um, on social media, getting us a Apple podcast review. We love getting those. Checking out our website, gottech.com, and just telling your friends about gottech.com and the podcast.
0: So I'm here with guys today. It's late August as we're putting this episode together. And that's always the time of year, right? When you're starting to think about the beginning of school. This is an extra strange one because of, uh, you know, it's 2020 and and there's lots of stuff going on because of COVID-19. And uh, so far, our school has been sort of planning a hybrid start. You've heard us talk about that in some recent episodes, but we're starting to get little hints that that might be changing. We're just two weeks away from going back and now there's it looks like a full remote start is possible. And just hearing that kind of made me think back to when we started virtual instruction in the spring and everybody was sort of suddenly sent home. I don't know what it was like for you, dude, but for me, I was kind of in survival mode. It was sort of reverted back to my early teaching days where I was just trying to just get something out to the kids. I can get up there. I can talk to share information. You guys do this worksheet, turn it in because there was no time. All of a sudden we were all just home and that's what we had to do. I don't know. What was it like for you during those early days when we first got sent home to do the virtual instruction.
1: I will tell you this. It was a lot different because now that we're here at the place we are now, I'm going back into the classroom to teach uh, AP bio. Yeah. Last year, I was the full time uh, media specialist tech coach. Uh, this year, I'm, you know, part teacher, part tech coach. So it's a lot different in the spring for me, it was how fast can I reach people to give them virtual professional development? How can I get them using the tools the best they can with uh, the resources and the time that they have? Um, Now it's a lot. All right. I'm going to give them some professional development. Most of them know how to use whatever, you know, Zoom, Google Meet, whatever that is. But how can we have them branch out so it's not the same thing every day. How can we get them creative? And I'm not gonna lie, our staff is amazing here. Uh, For the most part, they're very creative and they take a lot on themselves and they learn a lot on their own. Uh, But anytime I could help them out or you can help them out, anytime we could help them out, we like doing that. So now that I'm in that teaching mindset, I'm really starting to think, all right, I need to do labs. How am I gonna do these labs remotely? Am I going to do simulations? Am I going to send them out to the internet? Am I going to give them resources that way? How can I use Zoom, Google Meet to make things come alive?
0: Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking about. Like, As stressful as this is and as, as fast as things are changing, at least now at the start of this year, uh, we, we have had some time to get in there and get used to Google Meet or Zoom or whatever your school uses. And we've had the summer to kind of sit there and say, okay, we might be full remote. And it just gives you some time to actually think about ways to do it better, some ways to innovate, some ways to engage your students, creative projects. And it's just kind of nice. So I know it's probably stressful for you coming in teaching, but at least you you are coming in uh, at a time when we can think about these things. And that's kind of what we wanted to bring you guys in today's episode is just some ways to take that Zoom virtual classroom, that Google Meet virtual classroom to the next level and really get as close as possible to what your former classroom used to be. You can follow Got Tech outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at We Got So, to start off, I figured we'd just sort of do a really quick run through of some of the basics I had to, just to cover everybody, everybody's base here as far as how familiar you are with these virtual classroom tools. I'm going to do that for Zoom first just to make sure we're all sort of coming in from a level playing field and talk about some of the basic things you can do. A couple of these, I didn't know were an option just until yesterday. So, there's probably a few of you out there in the same boat. Um, so, what I'm talking about here for Zoom are things like sharing your screen, right? If you didn't know that as a teacher, that's sort of... The The most helpful thing, whatever's on your screen, you can show your kids, whether it's a PowerPoint slide or just how to do something on a website. For me, as a chem teacher and anybody out there in the science, especially math world, there's a whiteboard feature, um, which really is great for taking the place, of course, of your classroom whiteboard. So I can use my mouse um, to actually write things on the whiteboard and the kids can watch. I can have my students use what's called the annotation tool in Zoom to add their own writing. And I love this. I can now post a problem on my Zoom meeting and then ask one of the kids to solve it in the class ask other students to watch and talk about what they might be doing wrong so this is just really awesome for having students solve problems uh, whiteboard style one of the cool new things that I just learned yesterday you actually showed me this in a PD you were doing is the zoom filters um, where you can sort of have your face and automatically turns you into uh, isn't there like a chicken or a mouse one or something like that
1: yeah there's a lot of those Uh, they're fun Uh, to some people it's just gonna be super distracting
0: it's, it is distracting and it's it's silly. It doesn't have a whole lot of place, but I thought why not play around um, during those early first couple of days of school um, just to kind of help get to know your kids, help sh- sort of be a little bit silly and, and establish the proper tone as they get to know you. So, th- there's those things out there. The biggest one for us, uh, I know with a lot of our staff has been breakout rooms. This means you sort of automatically get to turn your one big giant class where all your kids are lo- listening into smaller group discussions and there's lots of ways to set this up in zoom um, you can have zoom automatically place your kids like in random small groups so instead of the 20 of you it's Five smaller groups of four people talking, and as the teacher, you can kind of come in and out and check on those discussions. You can preset who goes into which rooms, and then you automatically kick your kids into those small groups, um, and then you can bring them back into the large group. It's all timer based as well, so you can set a length of time for this, and then it sort of automatically will push everybody back together. I love that. Another new one, new one for me with Zoom is is the polling feature. You can actually ask a question live in the meeting and have the kids respond view the results in the moment, kind of show them where everybody's at. I thought that was really nice because it sort of saves you from having to use some kind of an outside resource to do the polling. You can do it right in Zoom. And one thing that I think I'm going to try doing is all my meetings, I always did this anyway, which is um, recording the meeting. But now I'm thinking I'm going to record the meeting. Zoom will also automatically transcript that meeting. So why not do all this and then post it, Put make it available to my classes in Zoom um, I don't know, even just like a Google Drive folder so that they can go there in case they're absent or they miss something. So it's always there for them. And that's pretty much what I thought of as far as my Zoom basics. How did I do? Did that cover everything from your end?
1: Yeah, but I want to throw a couple of things that I've been testing out. First of all, um, Zoom does not support Chromebooks. And I know a lot of us are virtual with Chromebooks. So I want to throw that out there. It doesn't mean that most of the features aren't going to work because most of them do. There's there's a lot of panic over breakout rooms. We've gotten those to work. We haven't had any problems with those, but remember that Chromebooks are your bare bones minimum way of getting collaboration to your students and that's why they're cheap. They're cheaper. Uh, you know, they're spending, you know, somewhere between 2 and 400 dollars a Chromebook plus insurance and whatnot. But uh, remember that the camera there—it's not meant to be a video camera. It's—it's it's meant to be a picture camera. Uh, so the the video camera there is subpar. So you're going to get blurry images and things like that. Another thing—it's—it's it's not meant to be a streamer. Uh, it does stream, like you can you can do a meeting, but it lags a lot because it doesn't have a lot of resources that will support that. So you kind of keep these things in mind. So when you ask the student to, you know, show their picture during a meeting, that's using resources and it's slowing the Chromebook down, which is going to, uh, you know, cause it to lag and things like that. So there are a lot of things. Another thing that I ran into is that the when you're in the chat room, if a teacher posts a link there, well, on a laptop or a desktop, that's a hyperlinked link on a uh, Chromebook they're gonna to have to highlight it, copy and paste it. It's just a small thing, but it's there. The uh, backgrounds, the um, virtual backgrounds do not work on Chromebooks, so at least I haven't been able to get them to work. And I'm just talking the traditional ones that we hand out the students. I'm not talking the souped-up Chromebooks that you can buy. So these are just a couple things that I'm finding. Um, but as far as the functionality between Zoom and Google Meet, I think with the updates coming in Google Meet, it's, it's going to level the playing field. But maybe because it's a Google product, they'll, I don't know, take into consideration the, what a Chromebook can and cannot do and it might help it out there. But I know that you talked about screen share, you have that same ability in Google Meet. Um, Annotation and whiteboard is a little different in Zoom. It's all together and you could do that. I actually think when we go to use Zoom, I'm going to use Jamboard, uh, which is Google's uh, equivalent to the whiteboard. I like Jamboard because it kind of brings the best parts of uh, Google Slides and Google Drawings together in one area and just makes it super easy. You could have a lot more collaboration there. In uh, Zoom, I've only been able to get the whiteboard to act as a stagnant whiteboard, where in Jamboard, you could have four or five or six or seven or as many slides as you want with multiple people working on those. So I really, really like that. As far as meeting attendance, there is a uh, extension out there. Uh, It's also coming in an update breakout rooms are coming, question and answering polling, and some additional moderator controls. So really, I feel like after these updates uh, come out, it's going to really level the playing field. But I'm hoping that with Google Meet, uh, they will take into consideration how powerful or not powerful a Chromebook is in in terms of resources and how they're used.
0: Yes, that's interesting because I know our school last year, we used Google Meet and everybody was asking for Zoom because it could do so much more. Now that as we just went over there, there's, you know, Google Meet is adding lots of these updates too. And some of them might actually work better in that Chromebook environment if that's what your school has. So what's the message here? I think maybe just stay up to date with both services, pay attention to any new updates that's out there if you want to or not. Just stick with one of them because it sounds like they're both pretty good. So I think this is a good place to get into some of the more creative, specific lesson ideas that we had. Um, This is just a quick brainstorm between me and guys to come up with as many engaging things to do in that virtual environment. It's tricky, right? Because everybody's sitting in their own room. So as many distractions as there are in the classroom, it's like tenfold with all your kids in their own houses. So these are things specifically designed to really pull kids in. And the first one I'll jump straight into is something that we talked about a lot, especially in the early days of our show, and that is digital escape the rooms guys is like the ultimate expert here and he's kind of brought me along with him too but this idea of an escape the room game that you can do digitally you can conduct that in a in a virtual meeting so i you, you know as the teacher you could be the one sharing your screen uh presenting the digital escape the room to the class and letting them tell you what to do. I like this better putting kids into those breakout rooms we mentioned. And then within each small group, each group is on the or in the digital escape the room and somebody, one of those students is assigned to share their screen to the group and they all kind of help each other out and try and escape the room that way. So I think this could be really super fun. Um, If you want, uh, you can go to breakout edu where they have a bunch of pre-made digital escape the rooms uh, or go to gottech.com com or, or some of our older podcast episodes where we tell you how to make your own digital escape the rooms using Google tools. However you do it, I think this could be a really, really fun way to sort of build out that virtual classroom.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think uh, digital escape the rooms are amazing for this. And if if you're in a situation where you only have uh, 25 minute sessions or something like that, you can tailor these digital escape the rooms, to only really take that long. And it makes it kind of fun, and it changes the pace. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about one. Um, we actually got a question on Twitter about this, because I posted a template and a video on how to do this in Google Slides. It's called a gallery walk. And this is, like I said, it's a collection of slides. Usually the first slide is an introduction. This you might have some narrative here, instruction, or introduce the activity. And then your next uh, how many slides is determined by the number of students in your class. Uh, You might go in and put 25 there. Uh, So there's 25 kids in your virtual classroom. But anyway, each kid gets their own slide. And on the first slide, there are directions. The students read the directions. They maybe do some research that could be part of it. You might show them a video where they have to gather research and then you give them a question where they have to reflect or respond to that question using their slide. You might have requirements such as they have to include pictures, graphs, whatever it may be, resources, but really everyone takes control of their one slide. And then at the end of the uh, class period, you have a whole slide deck there. Now, you have several options. You could have students screencast their own slide and then put the recording, embed the recording into that slide. You can do some type of a uh, audio recording. Record the slides is a great extension for that. Uh, You can have students, you can assign the students they have to go out and they have to review three of their peers' slides and give them feedback using the comments section. A little tip there, if you hit plus and then you type in the uh, email of the person that owns that slide, they can see they'll get uh, messages saying that someone commented on their slide so they know that they have to go and respond to that person. But all these are great ways to, it's kind of refreshing. It's not just a Zoom meeting. It's not just a Google Meet. It's them doing something and they're applying their knowledge to that slide and creating something that they're, they're proud of. I will add this real quick. If you go up, when you're in Google Slides and you go to Tools, so if you say there's a due date on Friday, you don't need to worry about closing closing that, uh, or the, the whole editing permissions and stuff like that. You don't need to do that because you could go up to Tools and there's an activity dashboard Uh, Under tools and you can select that and you can see anyone that goes in there and makes any types of edits after um, the due date. So that'll save you a little bit of time. And, and, you know, a lot of us get caught up in the uh, stresses of deadlines, even the ones that we set. And I think that's just a great way around it.
0: I'm glad you brought up that activity dashboard. That's one of the hidden gems of, uh, of uh, these Google Docs and Google Slides, and not a lot of people know about it. Another idea, this is, this is, to me is like the ultimate in engagement, and there's a lot of ways you could do it, maybe at the younger grades, literally just for fun, or even at the middle high school level at the beginning of the year to try and get to know your students like an a uh, so virtual icebreaker. You could run a household scavenger hunt, send your kids out to go run around their house and find something red, something soft, something round, a pair of glasses, an envelope, whatever. You pick the things and they have to sort of race and bring those items back. This could lead into a show and tell about whatever they've brought you. And I was even thinking if you wanted to tie this to content a little bit more, I could think of chemistry related items and send them to go find I don't know, maybe some baking soda in their kitchen, and then that could lead into something themed around that baking soda or or whatever it, whatever it may be. Also, at the higher levels, you could sort of build more of like a fun game around this and assign points. Uh, I think there's lots of ways you could take it, but how fun, right? And, and sort of get the kids moving and, and away from just staring at that screen hour after hour. So household scavenger hunt.
1: My, my oldest son, Bo, he had a teacher that – you know, found these creative ways. He was in preschool last year yeah. and uh, she just did an amazing job with the preschool kids. Uh, Well after, I mean, she could have stopped whenever she wanted, but this is one of the things that she did. It was like a show and tell type thing. Okay. But she started later on going, okay, today's letter is X, go find something with an X. And then um, she had all these slips of paper. She would pick one up, go find something with a C and they would do a show and tell. But, What if we did this with older kids with metaphors? Sure. So we're working with the cell and we're saying this is the structural component of the cell that keeps it all together. Well, go find something else that does that in your house. Yep. All right. So I think that's an awesome way of doing that. Just going with the science thing, uh, you know, my three young children, I mean, they were one, two, and uh, five, we did a lot of science experiments uh this uh summer and we put a couple on youtube there are a couple on the got tech channel uh youtube channel uh but you know have have your students uh learn about certain enzymes and things like that and the common chemicals that we have in our house and have them film their own make their own experiment and film it and explain why Uh, i love that thing and then you can if you, they want to do a live demo, let them do a live demo on a Zoom or something like that. Just make sure that you know what they're doing so we don't get any uh, live action, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: bloopers there. So yep.
1: that that's also another way of doing, you know, some science labs in, in your uh, everyday instruction.
0: Yeah, why not? I mean, as long as it's safe for the kids to do at home, I think that'd be super cool. And then, you know, afterwards, there's all kinds of places you could take it, whether it's, you know, small breakout room discussions about it or typing something up and sending it, uh, submitting it to you, I think that could be pretty cool. Another thing that I was thinking about is playing Pictionary, using that Zoom whiteboard or if using Jamboard in in either uh, Google Meet or Zoom, Uh, but having the kids draw, it's gonna be super fun, it's gonna be super funny, they're gonna love it. And you could do this just for the fun of playing Pictionary, again, maybe like a icebreaker activity at the start of the school year. Uh, but even moving forward, tie it to content. You know, I could play chemistry themed Pictionary. One thing I'm going to lose in my chem class is uh, teaching the kids, if we go full remote, that is, um, having them actually touch and work with a beaker, a Bunsen burner, all this labware. Uh, it's hard to get to learn these things if you can't touch them and actually use them. Well, maybe another equally enriching experience is to do, I don't know, chemistry labware Pictionary where the kids have to. You know, I assign a list and they have to draw a beaker and in groups, they have to try and guess what is being drawn. This will kind of require them to do a little bit of research at the beginning and learn about the the labware to know what they're guessing as they play the game. Also, just playing the game, they get to sort of see people be guessing at these things and eventually what the right answer is. So I think there's actually a lot of cool content-based ways to tie in Pictionary as well.
1: Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a fantastic way to have some type of gamification where they already know the game, so they don't need to focus on the rules so much, and yep. they can just focus on the content. I think that's great stuff. So you could also do this with like Jeopardy. Who, I mean, I have several Jeopardy PowerPoint templates that are interactive. You can you could run those up there. The weakest link, I think I have one of those. X's and O's are I forget what the name of that one was, but yeah, uh, you know, you can use all these types of games in your remote learning sessions.
0: Yeah, super fun, and there's lots of those out there that you can just steal, so you don't have to go through the whole process of building them yourself. One cool thing that I saw is having your students. This is more for history or the ELA classes, but having your students choose a virtual background. Um, you can do this in you know Google Meet or or Zoom, and if it's not working on the Chromebooks and Zoom. Uh, One of those new Google Meet features might help out with it, but have them insert that virtual background, but have the background tie in to a moment in history or a scene from a book that they're reading about. So that, you know, that student is on screen sharing everything and they have to give a quick little, say, maybe a two minute presentation where they're reenacting that moment or reenacting that scene from the story. And it's fun because they get to sort of tie in that, that visual element of the background and, and hopefully funny and, and engaging too, because the, the students get to watch their classmates try and act out this thing. Uh, so I really like that one. I think there's lots of places you could take it.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Just remember, if you're using a Chromebook, that's not going to work for you. Right. Um, just want to throw that out there. But there are ways that you could get around that. I will also say uh, I was on a Zoom meeting the other day with the um, couple other podcasters and uh, the one guy he's very clever and he had like a zoo virtual background he was dressed like a park ranger and he had a little, (laughs) little stuffed animal lion uh, which was, I don't know, just got everyone rolling. We were, we were all laughing with that. Yeah. Uh, I know we talked a little bit about games, but just remember that you could use the Kahoot GIM kits and all those other review games over Zoom or Google Meet as well. I, I know that there's a resource that we're going to put in the show notes, which is uh, how to host Kahoot, uh, Kahoot uh, remotely. But really, you watch that, you could probably apply it to some of the other ones as well.
0: Let's keep the, the game theme going here. Flippity.net, we haven't talked about it in, in a while, but it did get my attention here with the virtual classroom setting. They actually have a, a bingo tool, which bingo, it's not my favorite game in the world, but with their bingo tool you can create and sort of set up what goes in each square so you can tie it to your content really easily by having little keywords or phrases or vocabulary <laughs> uh, as you read out clues that correspond with what you've chosen that go in each square. So, you're, you know, you're presenting uh, the screen, you're reading out these clues um, and the students fill out their own unique digital game card. That's what I really like about it. So the, when you set up this game on flippity.net, uh, there's a QR code link that the students can scan. Uh, there's also just a you know a shareable link that they can click on. And that link gives them their own unique bingo card. So that as you're saying, you know, reading out these clues, they are interacting with those and playing bingo with their own card. Uh, if they say that they finally won bingo, you could ask them to share their screen to sort of prove it and then have them review their answers live so everybody else can listen in. Uh, it's a way to make bingo interesting in that sharing of the bingo card with the link, I think, is extra awesome for the, you know, the the virtual uh, setup of the whole thing.
1: I, I didn't know that that was a feature but that's pretty cool especially the whole uh getting the digital cards out and yeah. via a link that's awesome. Yep. All right so I just want to take a little bit of time I should have probably shared this at the top with uh when we were going over the functionalities of uh Zoom and and Google Meet and stuff like that. But in Zoom we we actually just released a video on how to do this and I actually saw this brought To everyone's attention on Twitter, Uh, Kyle, our our good buddy Kyle Nemus, um, he was the one that actually tweeted it out. And then I decided to make a video on it because a lot of our teachers follow Kyle and they saw it and they were like, well, how do we do this? So I made a video. Uh, We could post that in the show notes as well. But the gist behind this uh, is we make screencasts as teachers. And sometimes when you just have a, uh, when you're slant, Sharing a uh, PowerPoint or Google Slides, it gets to be boring. Um, But if we want to add an extra element without really spending any additional time, we can make our PowerPoint slides. We can make them our virtual backgrounds. And you can click through them as you're explaining them. And it really puts you down the lower right-hand corner to start. You can make yourself larger or smaller and move yourself around the PowerPoint so you're not blocking out any of the content that you want to share. Now, if you're a Google Slides person, don't, don't fear because if you open up your Google Slides presentation, you go up to file and then download, there's an option to make it um, PowerPoint version of that. So uh, when you're in Zoom, you go to share screen, you go to advanced. It always shows basic, but right next to it up at the top, it's a little menu and it says advanced and it says PowerPoints is virtual background in beta and it works pretty well. It really works better if you have a solid background behind you. If you have any type of a gradient there, sometimes the uh, background will show through a little bit. But it's pretty awesome and its next level.
0: Yeah, it's almost like green screen. I think it must be some kind of green screen technology. And it reminds me, you know, it gives you the same effect of that weatherman and, you know, sort of pointing at the screen, except it's your PowerPoint. And when you sent me this, man, I was so excited, but also so upset because immediately I was like, well, this is how I need to do all of the content videos that I share out to my kids because it's such a clean look. It's no longer a little box with my face and whatever, you know, the room that I'm in. It's just me on top of the PowerPoint slide. It looks so, so cool.
1: Yeah, I mean, I couldn't believe how easy it was. Yeah. That was like one of those Twitter gems. So this is just another reason why you need to go out and make <laughs> an account, a professional account on Twitter, and go out and build your PLN because uh, I have gotten so many awesome ideas, whether it was from Kyle Nemus. Uh, Kim Matina has been very, very... Uh, active on Twitter, sharing everything that she's making, which is a lot of great content. And then you get into those uh, Twitter chats. uh, A couple of my favorites, uh, BL in Action for Blended Learning in Action. Uh, I also like the Mastery Chat one uh, with the uh, Teach Better team. They're, uh, They're always a good time and you learn a lot. And there's another one that I've been recently following. It was uh, PD for you and me, the hashtag PD for you and me.
0: So I think that about wraps it up for our virtual classroom episode. Hopefully there's some ideas that you guys can use. Hopefully there's some ideas that can spark new ideas and please share those with us. I could see this being an episode that sort of comes back again throughout the year as we're all trying different things and and figuring out even more ways to make this virtual environment more engaging. Um, I want to close the episode just by letting everybody know about another side project. We mentioned this in the last episode as well, but I'm going to keep pushing it out there because I'm pretty excited about it. I know guys is too. Uh, We started a a consulting company called Treefish EDU uh, with our friend of the show, Kyle Nemes, co-creator of Classroom Q, another tool we talk about all the time. Uh, Treefish. EDU is kind of our attempt to help bring quality professional development out to the teaching world. And in the, in this this world of 2020, we, you know, struggled to do this in person. So, we decided to put together a virtual uh, PD series called Flip Flops. One thing that I think all three of us are, are most, uh, uh, we are experts in is the flipped classroom teaching style. So, we thought that it'd be a fun way to share some of the expertise that we've gathered uh, with everybody by talking about ways that we have messed up our flipped classroom, <laughs> thing, things that we've done wrong or flopped in hence flip-flops so uh, this is taking the place of our edgy mentor twitter chat right now it's wednesday nights at 8 30 pm eastern standard time uh, so if you're an edgy mentor uh, chat joiner please check us out here for the live recording on youtube you can find that live recording from treefisheducom uh, slash virtual pd uh, if you're there you might as well also subscribe to us so you can get reminders about upcoming pd from that uh, from our, like I said our new uh, our new venture there so that wraps it up for this episode thanks for listening thanks for listening to got tech the podcast remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at we got teched on twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases blog posts product reviews and pd announcements you can also follow geist and I individually at geist got Tech and at nick got teched on twitter or on Instagram at nickgottech. Finally, remember to check out our website, gottech.com, where we post all our episodes, articles, and resources available to you for free. Until next time.